Welcome to the Daily Boogie. And a good evening, everyone. Chris McDonald, Special Mike Files Live cast broadcast tonight on this Tuesday evening, October the 17th. We're here uh, warming up the bullpen for President Trump, who will be in Dallas, Texas. I could not think of a better individual to do that than the one and only Boogie Bumper. He's a good friend, a fine patriot, even though he is from that land down under. Good to see you, Make, and uh, Boogie is hiding his face because he's afraid that Right Wing Watch is taking pictures tonight. <laughs> he, he's worried about getting on Right Wing Watch's website, so that's the psychedelic look. I thought I was smoking reefer or something, Boog, when I, you came on, man. I was like, is, is, am I seeing things? But I realized it was your background. It's good to see you, mate. How are you, buddy? Good, mate. Good. Thanks for having me. It's good to be talking with you again. I wish that were true, but... Um, unfortunately, it's probably an indication of my lack of popularity, Chris, that nobody has done any hit pieces on me. <laughs> so I just, either I'm either I'm either I'm not controversial enough, or interesting enough, or popular enough. But either way, whatever you know, in all three cases, I guess I'm lacking somewhere. So yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately for me, you know, I'm not a bad boy. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be nice. It'd be nice to have someone pay some attention to you from time to time and say, "Look at this asshole! Look at this! Yeah, I, look at this mongrel on on here! Look at the things that yeah. he says! It's awful." That'd, it that'd be nice. Sometimes. I'll tell you what. Just for you on your next show, I will troll your show and I will do just that. Thank I you. Will go out and tweet out that your show's horrible. That'd and you be say lovely. Horrible things. Yeah. If you just saw some of the stuff that was sent to me today, I, I can just post mm. those as you know, cut and paste comments and 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 share them with you. What what what, but, uh, what did you get? What was sent to you? Well, Boogie, we'll have to have a. Uh, this is a family show. So. Ah, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> That bad was it? Yeah, we're oh, we're gonna we're gonna light it up. It's okay. I worry about it. It ain't gonna affect Chris any. I'm I'm just sort of wired up. Sorry about the reverb there. Uh, anyway, we got we've got it uh, we got it fixed. Hey, book. I want to I do want to uh, get your thoughts. Uh, big story of the day: Representative Elijah Cummings, who is now uh, departed from the landscape of America. He is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's being painted as a saint now. Uh, we sort of talked about this pre-show, and uh, I'll get your thoughts on it. I know President Trump has to be the statesman. Um, I think his condolences to, to the Cummings family was right on target. But uh, you and I both saw the comments that followed, and the man just can't win because uh, he tweeted out nothing controversial, just you know, our prayers with the Cummings family tonight. I uh, even went as far as to say that nobody can ever replace Elijah Cummings, and that's a lot more flattery that I would give him. But um, they really was hammering the president today uh, on Twitter, calling him every name, F you this, F you that. Uh, One even insinuated that he didn't write the tweet, uh, you know, that this was written by somebody else. So he can't win. Uh, And and you said a great thing before the show, and I'll let you elaborate on it. Had he not said anything, had he just been quiet about it and not said a word, then he would have got hammered for being insensitive and all. And... So is the left. So is the left in this country and the world. What do you What do you see about all that today? Um, well, it indicates to me that, see, I, I can understand if people are saying things that are against Elijah Cummings in the aftermath of the guy passing away. First, first of all, can I say one thing first? There's a lot of conspiracy stuff going around on Twitter already, like, oh, he was taken out and da da da. 
can I can I just raise a point of privilege, a point of order, and say it's not uncommon for sixty eight year old men who are suffering health problems to you know pass away when when you know they're having procedures like that's that's not a that's not an outlandish thing to happen. No, so <laughs> sometimes things aren't conspiracies. You know what I mean? So can we just pull back the reins on that? Um, but as for the comments under President Trump's tweet, so. It's a pretty stock standard thing to do, isn't it? To come out and say, well, condolences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I don't feel the need to do that kind of thing because should, you should just assume that everybody is on that path. You know, you should just assume that people are agreeing with that. I hate doing that on my show. You know, like if there's a shooting or something and you'd look at like MSNBC and CNN, we have to spend 17 minutes going around the panel so everybody can say, well, can I just say that this is abhorrent? Can I just say that this is awful? Can I just say thoughts and prayers? Can we just assume that everybody's on board with not being in favour of mass murder? Like if if somebody's in favour of mass murder, then you can speak up. But say we could just get past all that and just assume that everybody's on board with that. So after the tweet of President Trump, you did have a lot of people saying, you know, f you. <laughs> this is this is BS. Uh, you didn't obviously write this, and of course, if you didn't write anything, then people would be saying, "Well, why hasn't he come out and said anything? He needs to say something." So that indicates to me like a broader problem here, in that yeah, I can understand why people get upset. You know, you were saying before the show that um, some people have gone after you for saying that Elijah Cummings has now gone south instead of going north to the um the big house of congress in the sky so <laughs> but i mean but look at the broader thing here so once upon a time any kind of a, a situation like this wouldn't have brought much anger and division from either side so when you if you go on twitter at any given time you can see people saying i wish you were dead um i hope you get cancer and die i hope your children die all of this stuff is like just commonplace on twitter so yeah. when yeah. I, f I find the outrage on all angles when something like this happens in this day and age to just be complete BS, nobody's really um, feeling offended at this point because you can't tell me the people who are telling Donald Trump to go off and die, and he's still alive, by the way, you can't tell me that the people who want him dead and openly admit that they want him dead then get offended when somebody else says, well, this guy who died over here wasn't a very nice person. So I just, right. it's, right. it's a lot of just gotcha stuff. Like, oh, we're nicer than them and, and they're more hateful than us. And you you hate more than me and he's he's better than us and we're better than you. It's just garbage, all of it. So it you know, is, today's society, who can really get upset at people um, sharing their opinion on public figures? It's become so politicized and so nasty anyway. Then it is nasty. What's the difference? And, uh, let me just interject this. And you just put, let's just take Elijah Cummings out of the picture. Look at how they treated uh, Margaret Thatcher in this country and Britain and how the left looked at her and how the Obama crowd, Obama didn't even send a uh, representative from our government to her funeral. Uh, and since somebody on the right dies, uh, these people just go, these same people that are crying hypocrisy tonight and just this hypocrisy you're talking about, that are crying foul, they would write some of the most vile stuff, the absolute most vile stuff. Had this been a, a member of the Trump family or a cabinet member or a former president that they didn't like uh, or whatever. And, uh, you know, and, and, and again, the hypocrisy runs so deep, it's choking. I'm just going to go ahead and go on record tonight 
And uh, I might as well dig in. I mean, I'm getting hammered for it anyway. At no time today. Well, I am. I mean, might as well you know, double I'm, down, I'm, okay. okay. Double okay. down, baby. It's that double down. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> double down Thursday, and, uh, and being that they can't, they can't take a picture of you. I have to just compliment Right Wing Watch. At least you put a nice looking photo of me up on your website. Nice. I want to thank you guys tonight. Uh, I give you two thumbs up for that. And uh, the sh the the uh, I don't know where they got that logo. It was from a former show that I hadn't done in about eight months. So I thank you for that too, and Lovely. and giving them all the press that they deserve uh, on your on your website. You guys are priceless. Y'all are great. A priceless smart. I just want to give you two thumbs up tonight. But let me tell you something, Boogie. At no time today did we ever say that God killed Elijah Cummings. We at no time today said that uh, anything to the sort. Look. God's got uh, life in his hands. We all are appointed to die. Me and you may not be here tomorrow for all I know. You know, our, we're here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, we don't know when we're going to die. But I'm not arguing whether he's south, north, east, or west. But what I am saying is his record spoke for itself. He left a legacy of corruption. I, I, I know President Trump's having to be nice tonight. I don't have to be nice. Elijah Cummings was one of the most corrupt politicians this nation has ever seen as was corrupt in the sense of Baltimore, the city of Baltimore and that district. That district has suffered under corrupt leadership going back to the 1970s. It is one of the most trashed districts. Look, I, I, the brother uh, Shiflet tonight, today, and it's not just Stacy. I've talked to other people who are from there and they tell me the same thing, Boogie. There's, there's trash on the streets, rats infested. Everything President Trump tweeted out about in August, it's still going on. And yet at some point, we got to have to stop playing tiptoe around the tulips and hold the leadership accountable that's responsible for it. And you can't say Elijah Cummings' name without laying it at his feet, the corruption that was going on in that city and in the House of Representatives. Boogie, I told you this too before the show, and some people may not know this. My God, we we found out today, after he dies, the man's been in hospice for a week. Well, let me tell you, just last, uh, what is today, Thursday? Just Monday, the man was sitting there trying to issue subpoenas, more subpoenas to the Trump family on their financial records, still trying to take the president down, and the man's one foot in the grave. Now, you tell me, if somebody can explain to me how that's not corrupt and how that's not ugly and hateful, and then here we are, we're just expressing our our opinion about his record. I don't, I, don't, I could care less about his personal uh, situation with God. And I, the reason I say that is this. It's his call, not mine. Wherever he's at tonight's between him and God. But what I can say, and I can say it without blinking, and not even blink an eye and take a deep breath over it, was his record. And he was a corrupt politician. And he's got blood on his hands with some of the decisions he made. And I applaud Stacey Shifflett tonight if he's listening to our show. He did a great job simply reading. He had 48 pages of bills that Elijah Cummings supported. And Boogie, not one of those bills protected life. Not one of those bills was for America. It was anti-America. It was anti-faith. It was anti-capitalism. Everything that he did was race-baiting. He was no better than Sharpton and Jackson. He was not a civil rights leader. He was a civil rights destroyer. He was a civil rights race-baiter and a divider. Now, if that makes Chris McDonald 
in the opinion of my fan club out there, which is about two tonight, but if it makes my fan club think that I'm a horrible person and I should burn in hell, then come get me, baby. Come get me. Put the chains on me. Throw me in the dungeon. And Boogie, you can bring me lemonade and cookies on your way down uh, when you come to America one day. All right. That was my diatribe. That's pretty good. You certainly <laughs> you certainly gave them both barrels. Um, I don't think you missed. Look, it's Mac Files, baby. It's Mac Files, baby. This ain't this ain't the rubber room files. This is the Mac Files. Yeah. <clears throat> like I'm, I, I don't get offended by stuff. Like I can understand if people get offended and they think, um, you know, in the hours after you're not allowed to pass comment, we should be respectful and stuff. But again, I'll just point to um, every other aspect of our society at this point has basically been stripped of all decorum anyway. So, uh, like while. You know, I'm not going to get offended by that, but then I'm not going to get offended when um, politicians I might agree with when they part because I know when they die, they're going to get the same treatment coming from the other Absolutely. side. I've seen Absolutely. it. I've seen it before. So I, I just don't get dragged into these outrage cycles. You know what I mean? Um, in regards to you, you were saying, you know, I you were you were talking about he was signing subpoenas. Um, a couple of days. I've got to be honest. I'm going to go on record and say I respect that. That's 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 like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the guy's in hospice, he can't walk. He's on medication. He's at death's door, and he's still signing subpoenas. It's like, wow, he really? He really doesn't like Trump. Like that's that's fighting. That is fighting to the bitter end. Like you've got to tip your hat to that kind of dedication. <laughs> If, Without a doubt, bro. If politicians had that kind of dedication for various causes whilst they're in full health, like we might get a lot more shit done. You know what I mean? We might solve a lot more problems. So good on him for that, I guess. Like that's that's kept him going for a few more days. So respect, respect. Well, what is what is that meme that's out there that says you are totally one hundred percent batshit crazy, but we co- we commend your commitment to being that, or we commend your commitment to that. Your commitment to crazy is beyond words, or something like that. But uh, hey, but 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 boogie, you, you you said it. That's how determined that he was to destroy this president. And you know, he defended Obama. He uh, he defended the corruption in the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. And and it's amazing to me again what side of the aisle you're on. And he defended Hillary Clinton when Hillary Clinton was in that Benghazi hearing. He was one of the, 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 the defenders. He was defending. He's defended the FBI. He's defended this corruption. He's defended James Comey. He's defended Andrew McCabe. He's went to bat for Stork and Page. He's went to bat for Clapper. He's went to bat for Brennan. He's went to bat for this whole corrupt uh, Russia probe, this Russia hoax. He was one of the voices of it. He's been one of the voices for this Ukraine hoax. Folks, let me tell you something. There are no crocodile tears tonight. For a corrupt politician that is no longer on this landscape, I, I I pray for his family. I pray that they find peace with God. I find that they find peace. Elijah Cummings is gone, Boogie. We can't bring him back. But his legacy remains and his record remains. That is fair game. That is fair game. Sure. And that doesn't make me a horrible person. It doesn't make me some hate monger. It doesn't make me look. If they want to, if these same people that will, well, that will applaud the baby killing and applaud the policies that Elijah Cummings uh, supported, their problem is far greater than Chris McDonald. They got a hell of a lot more problem than me because they can't see beyond their freaking nose of the evil and the corruption that he was involved in. They got a lot more problems in the Mac Files program tonight. 
I'm fired up about this tonight. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. See, that's all fine. But, Chris, I, I need to ask you a serious question now. Now, when uh, just say a conservative politician on the right, a Christian conservative, someone you view as having good morals and good good values and good principles, when they pass on and you get this treatment back, will you be saying, um, well, they're, they're free to do it. They can speak about his record. Absolutely. Or will you say these disrespectful lefty commies, they need to settle down? You know what I mean? No, 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 no. no. But I don't care what they say because I expect it. I expect they do it already. Yep. yep. They already do it. Buddy. That was my point. They, they already do it. My God. I mean, you you made the point. Look at what Trump's out there today. The man tweeted condolences to Elijah Cummins' family. He tweeted condolences. It was a very nice wording. Very yeah. nice wording. Why does Trump get back in return for that? 50,000 FUs. 50,000 yeah. burn in hell. Yep. 50,000, I hope your your uh, head drops off your shoulders. I hope somebody kills you. I hope somebody shoots you tonight. I, boogie. That's just, that's freaking from condolences, man. Yep. What will happen if one of these people die and a conservative dies? And they do say vile stuff. But look, I'm okay with that. Chris is a big boy. It's all fair and love and war and politics, but I'm going to tell you something. The liberals are the only bunch that can dish this crap out and can't take it. I can take it. You bring that shit on. Pardon my French on this Thursday evening, but let me tell you something. Bring it on, honey. I'm not a wussy, and I don't think most conservatives are wussies. You're going to dish it out. You dish it out. We can take it. But it, you listen. if you're not going to listen to the truth and you don't want to speak the truth, then have your five minutes of fame, say your FUs, and go back to playing your little sandbox of your liberal, left-wing, loom bomb, snowflake world, and let us adults handle this situation out here. You know, because I'm telling, and, and at this point, that's what's making me mad about this whole thing tonight, is the hypocrisy on the left, how they act. When, again, you're just simply looking at the record. You're not attacking the man. The man's record speaks for itself. And I, I will say what I want to say about his record and not blink an eye about it and not have a conscience about what I'm saying. And that's just my... I just, I just hope that they don't turn it into a John McCain-style coffin parade. Because to me... They will. I like... I don't know about anybody else, but me personally, I thought that was macabre. I thought there was something wrong with that, like, you know, parading this guy around for another week and just a week-long uh, testimonial and conversation and constantly talking about it. Like, I just – I thought that was off, you know, but, um, you know, maybe that's just me. I thought that was a little too much. I thought we were, we were you know, dramatizing basically uh, somebody's death. So I just hope that they don't do that again. Um, for this guy, like, is that going to be the new normal now? Is that going to be the thing? Like, we're going to have to, uh, when can you talk about, if you can't, okay, so if you can't talk about the record now, when can you talk? Is it a day? Is it two days? Is exactly it a right, week? Boogie. Like, uh, is it ever? Exactly right. So, you know, um, there were well, people pretty straightforward after John McCain died saying how much they disliked him and how he was going to hell. So, again, <laughs> like, well, again, I don't, I just don't see. You're right. No, yeah. you're right. You know, You're right. It's just the way it is now. It's just the way it is. Like, and, and I don't personally like it. I don't. But again, I, it doesn't particularly worry me either. You know, it's just the way it is. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> People are going to get know, angry. No, can... People are going to say what they want, and good luck to them. 
Well, in the event that I die, I want you to write my obit, and I want James what R. You think I'll be I want I want James R. I want James R. to preach my funeral. I want you to write my obit, and James R. to be my spokesman for the uh, funeral. That would be priceless. And I will look over heaven and uh, please ask the Lord to let me look on onto my own funeral. Somebody was asking me in YouTube who is Chris angry at. Uh, I'm not angry at anybody. <laughs> I'm not angry at a soul. I'm not. I'm. Does this face look like I'm angry tonight? Chris is just fired up about it. I mean, I don't care, guys. I, what I'm, what I'm, uh, I'm not really upset about it, but I'm just speaking truth to a man's record, and I'm going on record saying this was a corrupt politician, and the way the media, and I knew they would do it. Stacey Schiffler predicted it this morning. He was right on. He was right on that the media is portraying him today as this stalwart of civil rights. They're portraying him as this calm statesman of our country. When Boogie, he did nothing but destroy this country. He did nothing but destroy Baltimore. He did nothing. His policies did nothing but destroy the way of this country. And, and he, he supported every pro-abortion bill he could to kill the babies. And he did everything he could to promote everything that was, again, anti-capitalism, anti-America, anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-faith. He, he sought to take away private school vouchers. He did not want private schools teaching their own children. He believed fully that the government had to say so about your child's education. He he cared less about the truth when it came to any of these hearings. He he was again, he was look, every picture out there with Pelosi, Shift, um, who's the other clown that's been involved in this Russia hoax crap? Uh, but anything well, Nadler with 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 uh, Pelosi, Nadler, Schiff, Elijah Cummings. If you go on the internet, every time those three clowns are in a picture, he's right there with them, with that little smile, that little smirk, thinking we're gonna get Trump. Well, guess what, Elijah? You ain't getting Trump no more, baby. Well, can you, ain't, I, you ain't here to get him no more. Can I just say too, it didn't take long for uh, the people you mentioned, Pelosi, Schiff, et al., to get back on message. Like I, I was on uh, Adam Schiff's Twitter feed couple of hours after the Elijah Cummings news was announced and he was straight back to Russia, Ukraine, we need to impeach this guy, there's corruption. And I thought, well, that was a very that was a very hasty morning period. You know, like we just found out and now we're back to back to regular programming again. So <laughs> That's fine. But you see my point. Like Ooh. again, like so if that's if that's okay then, so I guess we can move on and talk about, you know, whatever as well. Like we can talk about records and stuff now because uh, Adam Schiff and the rest of the Democrats have just gone straight back to impeachment like a few hours later. So I guess, you know, it's business as usual, right? That's without a doubt. Well, Big, I don't want to spend the whole program on Elijah Cummings, but I wanted to get your take on it. I do want to talk to you very, another about another pending uh, situation that came out today, and I saw UK Neil scoping on it uh, briefly minutes before we came on, uh, is Brexit. Uh, looks like Boris Johnson has cut a deal with the EU, mm -hmm. and... Um, mm -hmm. It looks like an interesting thing, a dynamic that's going on. I haven't seen the details of it. I'm assuming that it's going to be good for the English people. Look, I believe the Queen coming out a few days ago and, and her putting her voice behind Johnson and saying, look, Brexit is a priority for this administration and for me. I felt that that sent earthquakes uh, through England. I know the Queen may not be popular in some corners, but she is the monarchy there. Uh, it's a complicated political system in England, but I just think her doing that gave Boris Johnson the boost that he needed. And I just look, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a big fan of Boris Johnson. 
I like Nigel Farage a lot better, but I do believe Boris has done as good a job as he can trying to clean the mess up that Theresa May left. And I just think that uh, Brexit is a barometer of things to come on this world stage because it seems like there's a revolt against the elites and the globalists, not just here in America, but all over this world, that people are sick and tired of this EU left-wing, Luciferian, globalist, elitist control of people. And people are saying enough is enough. Well, there's to be fair, there's no guarantee that the Brexit deal will happen, though. Because Theresa May and the EU agreed on a deal as well. And so the problem was getting it through her own parliament. Now, we know that there's a whole bunch of people, even in Boris Johnson's own party, who will do whatever they can to block any deal. Um, for their own for their own political reasons, it's in the Labor's party. It's in the Labor Party's interest, even though the majority of Labor Party members, once you get outside of London, London's a hive mind sort of mentality. London is very pro EU, but once you get out of London and you get into the sort of blue collar uh, industrial former industrial zones, like in the northeast and stuff, they're Labor voters, but they're very pro Brexit at the same time. So. Uh, the Labor leadership is ignoring the majority of its own constituency to go to try and push for, um, you know, another referendum and try and hold up the EU, uh, the Brexit deal. The reason I think it's in the interest of the Labor Party to try and stall and make sure that this deal doesn't get signed off and Brexit doesn't happen is because you don't want to deliver Boris Johnson a victory, right? You want to you want to stop your opponent from having some kind of win. So even I think even if it hurts them at the next election, they're going to try to do whatever they can because if they let Boris Johnson win and Brexit does occur, then they're guaranteed to lose the next election. But at least this way, they might have some kind of a fighting chance if they can paint Boris Johnson and the Tories as inept and uh, you know a, a, fa- a fallacious leadership that can't get things done, right? So there's going to like there's no guarantee that Brexit's going to take place, and everybody will be working against Johnson. Uh, it's yeah. going to take. He needs a lot more groundswell in the public. Like even though it's pretty strong now, um, local members, the way they're elected, local members need to understand that if they don't sign off on this Brexit deal, then they're going to be removed from office. That's probably the best way forward. You know, if they get a strong sense of their local constituencies. Um, really saying enough is enough, we need to do Brexit, it's time, then uh, you'll find a lot of these people, maybe perhaps through gritted teeth, will sign on and get this deal done. Because, like, what's it been now, four years? Four years? Four years. Longer? Yeah. It was Trump, you know, the, you know, the Brexit thing preceded Trump, but you remember? Yep. Because, you know, Trump used Brexit. He basically told America, and he said, you look at what's going on in England, it's going to happen here. And sure enough, he was right. And, yeah, it's four years, man. And I'm just curious of how you feel personally. Do you think that Boris pulls this off, or do you think Nigel's going to have to come to the rescue and 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 take this and do it himself? Um, I think for Boris Johnson and the, and the Tory party, he has to pull it off. Um, I'm not sure that Nigel Farage would win. I don't think Nigel Farage will ever be prime minister. Um I think that what would happen is if Boris Johnson doesn't pull it off, it could go one of one of two ways. Uh, if Boris Johnson doesn't pull it off, you could see the conservative vote split between the Brexit Party and the Tory Party, which would hand um, government back to the Labor Party, 
or considering that there's a lot of Labor members who support Brexit, you might have um, a chunk come off the uh, the Labor Party, a chunk come off the Conservative Party to support the Brexit Party, and then you'll have somebody in a minority government situation. So it will be, you know, obviously one or the other. It would more than likely be the Conservatives that would have to uh, form some kind of coalition with the Brexit Party at that point. But the, right. the Conservatives would probably still be in the ascendancy being the majority shareholder, if you will, in that kind of arrangement. So um, I'm not sure that the Brexit Party could ever get enough votes in the seats that they need them to be able to form, gov- uh, form government in their own right. But one thing's for certain, if Boris Johnson doesn't get the Brexit deal done, then he runs a great risk of having a large chunk of his um, elected yeah. members removed by Brexit candidates, right? I believe that. I, I do believe that, Boogie. Well, look, I think that it, it, it bears repeating that this is, this is a movement, a groundswell movement. For those that don't know what Brexit is, most people out here do, but for those that may not know what Brexit is, it was a groundswell movement among the populace, the populace of Britain and England, to get out of the EU this open border uh, socialist uh, agenda that uh, they're they're paying into and controlling England's policies that was controlling the government. And to me, book it was a forerunner of Donald Trump. It was a forerunner spirit that led the way to what happened in this country. And I'm going to even argue your, your country there with, with uh, your new prime minister. Scott Morrison. Because, uh, Scott Morrison, yeah. I mean, look, I love your prime minister. I think he's a jam-up guy. I know he's not perfect. Look, no leader is. But I just, I'm so proud of what the people of Australia did here a few months ago. And I know that you were concerned about it. And, and I will say this tonight, we got a brand new audience. So you're not going to be redundant. But uh, a lot of people, again, are hearing you for the first time. And, uh, and, but I have to, I want you to just chime in a little bit of that because it was a miracle what happened down under here just a few months ago. Yep. But again, yep. it came down to the people, Boogie. The polls, the left, the, the mainstream media in Australia had it all wrong, just like the mainstream media had it wrong in Britain and the mainstream media had it wrong in America. And the elites and the globalists were beating their chests thinking they could control people. And then when they couldn't, it was a shock heard around the world and down under followed suit. It's funny. It's funny. If you take out the the little idiosyncratic differences in like the UK system, the American system and the Australian system of how people get elected and how government works, it was basically the same thing. And what I mean by that is uh, this is something that I have to repeat a lot to Democrats and a lot to left-wing voters. Brexit only won because of long-time left-wing voters voting for Brexit. Donald Trump only won in 2016 because of longtime Democrat voters voting for Donald Trump. Scott Morrison only won because of longtime Labor voters here in Australia saying, ah, 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 they're going too far. I'm not voting for the Labor Party this time. I'm going to vote for the other guy. You'd be amazed how many blue collar, uh, you know, left wing voters there are who are still Christian and still nationalist, but they've probably got union backgrounds, right? Uh, they might disagree on economic uh, policies and not necessarily on cultural policies and you know nationalism and all that kind of thing. So they looked at the leadership of the Labor Party down here, and the Labor Party was saying some outlandish things. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna move to fifty percent renewables in twelve years, which it, which would crush the Australian economy. 
The Australian economy is fueled by its access to cheap energy. And when you make energy more expensive, you have to think we have 25 million people living around the coast of a landmass the same size as the United States of America. It costs a lot to get things from one place to another. And there isn't a lot of people living in between. There are no towns in the middle, right? You have to go the long way to get from one place to another. So cheap energy is vital to keep the Australian economy moving in all facets, to keep products cheap, to keep uh, you know uh, energy cheap is one thing, but to keep the cost of living down at a place where the population is spread so much, it requires access to cheap energy. So you know the the Labor government, if they had been elected, was going to ramp that up. They were going to do a whole bunch. Of, they they even went out on a limb and said this we're 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 the party for the woke generation. They even used that terminology. Like this is the progressive revolution that's happening here. So what happened was it was such a humiliating defeat for Labor. We now have people inside the Labor Party, Chris, who will off record tell you that this is the death of progressive politics in Australia. What happened at that election? Wow. So, I mean, we're talking about long, again, long time left wing voters went against the left wing party here. In the UK, the same thing happened with Brexit. And in the United States, the same thing happened with Donald Trump with those Rust Belt states. Like yeah. long-time Democrat voters got Trump in the White House. And this is something that corporate media and Democrats alike love to forget. They love to pretend like it didn't happen because if they pretend like it didn't happen, they don't actually have to address the main problem of left-wing politics, centre-left politics in 2019, that being that they have completely and utterly abandoned the very constituents that they purport to represent, that being the working class and the middle class over the last 10 and 20 years. So until they fix that, until they get that right, they're not going to win many elections in the future either. Yeah, I'm with you, buddy. And, and I think, Boogie, that's part of the, the blowback here in America too. And I think Hillary Clinton has still not realized that the left has not realized that a lot of the voters that voted for President Trump in 2016 may not have liked him, but they looked at that other side mm-hmm. and they were like, are you freaking blanking kidding me exactly. that she would run this country? Hell no. And I think that there's some of that developing again in 2020, that these Democrats, Boogie, this debate here a few nights ago, man, I'm telling you, man, I mean, I didn't even I didn't even watch the thing. I had to sit there and put the headlines on my paper the next day. And I was sitting here vomiting, just reading the headlines from this debate the other night, this clown show. Mm-hmm. And the American public is looking at this this Democratic Party and they're thinking, is there any one of those idiots? Is there any one of those morons on that stage that you would want to give power to in this country? And again, I'm hearing a hell no. I'm hearing, are you crazy? These people are insane. Their policies are insane. And to be honest with you, the one that scares me the most on that stage was Tulsi Gabbard because she portrays herself as a moderate. Joe Biden is trying to portray himself as a moderate. And then when they're pressed, they always swing left and their left wing colors come out and their left wing leaning come out. And then you look at what the country's going through. Look, we've had one of the best economies over the last three or four months in this country in 70 years. We've not heard a thing about that because the media is so focused on this false hoax of Russia, this false hoax of Ukraine, this impeachment proceeding we'll talk about in a minute that is illegal and unconstitutional. And we've got one of the most booming economies right now in this country. And President Trump, I think my personal gut is this. I think that he looks at this field of the Democratic Party and he feels emboldened every day that goes on 
that if he will just continue to fight and promote his record, that he is going to win not only in a landslide, but in a historic landslide. And I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Don't count California out. Don't count Oregon and Washington out. Dynamics in those states that need to be fixed. The voter fraud gets fixed. I would predict that you may have a red California before this is over with. Because I'm hearing people out there tell me all the time, the states, when you get down to these states, they're conservative at heart. There's a lot of there's a lot of population centers that are not. But the people in general in those 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 blue states, Boogie, they're crying out. Look at the what's going on in California right now. Mm-hmm. Pe- people are they're fleeing that state, man. They're fleeing New York. They're fleeing these liberal hellholes and saying we can't stand it no more. We got to move. We got to get somewhere where there's a sensibility about government. And I just think the same thing's about to happen again in 2020. I don't think that a lot of people and and the Democrats may not vote for Trump this time, but they're not going to. I don't think they're going to come to the polls and vote for these 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 radical leftists. I just don't. That's just my opinion. I, I, I may be wrong. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to go too far. Like it's it's almost at 2016 they were given you know a fork in the road. And they were given an an option A and an option B. And option A was to sit down and in the cold hard light of day genuinely assess where they went wrong. How could it be that we lost Rust Belt states that have voted Democrat for 30 years? How did we let that happen? Why are large sections of the middle class now voting for the Republican Party when traditionally uh, they have been voting for us instead? Why did that happen? And the other option was to go with, uh, let's blame Russia and let's spend the next four years trying to impeach the guy. And when our you know, presidential candidates get up on stage, we'll have them advocate for things like male prisoners should be allowed into female prisons as long as they identify as female and we should allow abortions for trans men. And, you know, these aren't necessarily the things that are going to inspire the kind of people that they need to win back those votes, right? That's not what's going to happen. You might get a whole bunch of people in New York and LA and the trendy areas who get really excited by that kind of talk. But people in, you know, the flyover states are not interested in that stuff, rightly or wrongly. You might say, oh, that's horrible. They should be. But, you know, elections aren't won on should. <laughs> elections are won on, on what is and what is not and what people believe and what people do not, you know, like. So uh, they're, they're pushing shit uphill with a toothpick at this point. I, I will say on Tulsi Gabbard, it's interesting. I, I want to put this to you, put this on the table maybe. Do you think the fact that the Democrat, the DNC, is trying so hard to prevent her from getting access to the debates and they're you know accusing her of being a Russian plant and stuff, I just wonder, does that give her, though, anti-establishment cred in those blue wall states? Would that have... Uh- I mean, her anti-war uh, stance is very similar to Donald Trump's. She, Her economic stance, when you take away local stuff, but she wants to bring the factories back and all that kind of stuff, she's even complimented Donald Trump on various things on various TV interviews. Do you think that they're allowing her to build up a little bit of anti-establishment cred, just keep her in the tank? Do you think that's even possible at this point? I think it's very possible, but that's what makes her dangerous to me because mm-hmm. I've seen her. I've seen her do all those things you just described, and then I've seen her sit on that panel on the View and say some of the most radical left things about the president and mm-hmm. call him some of the most vilest names out of the same breath that she says what you just did. And I do believe she does have that appeal, but again, it makes you wonder if the reason they're keeping her off of this stage is the fact 
that they've just made a decision somewhere in the eternal uh, dark rooms of the Democratic National Party and this DNC that, you know, they see the futility of beating Trump in 2020. They're going to throw somebody out there that's as far left as they can go. And Boogie, I personally believe that 2020 is a trial run for 2024. That if they go as far left as they can, they're going to test run the country, see how the country's going to respond. Can you imagine Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren being in charge of this country for five minutes? No. Do I mean, are you kidding me? That would be another vote. When people look at Elizabeth Warren and her radicalness and they look at Donald Trump and look at President Trump, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer there. And there's going to be a lot of anti-socialist votes. Nobody wants socialism. And, and, and you know, again, I don't know if the Democrats are going to all pile on this or they're going to sit it out or whatever. I just get this sense that all this impeachment stuff that's going on is their final shot because they're trying to litigate 2016 now. I mean, we're we're in 2019, Boogie. We're a year away from the election of 2020. I mean, at this point, you would think that they would be trying to gather their forces for the election, but they're still trying to get rid of a man that was duly elected three years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's that's insanity to me. But I just think it's more of a... I think it's a, a vision they've got. That a decision has been made somewhere that we're going to go left and we don't want nobody threatening that. I, personally, I think that's why they're throwing Joe under the bus. I think they're showing, throwing Biden under the bus and they're not going to let Gabbard have her say because of this very thing. And there really ain't no others up there that are even remotely center anyway. So, I mean, those are the two most reasonable voices that are speaking right now if there's any reason in the Democratic Party. I agree with you on 2024. I would I would be surprised if the next president except from Donald Trump is running in this in this cycle. Um, you know, it's very 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 rare to have somebody lose after just one term. It's only happened a handful of times. So they've got history going against them. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy for Donald Trump, but at the same token, I, he is the incumbent and you tend to back the incumbent, um, you know, because historically, like I said, it's very difficult to remove them after one uh, one sitting. So uh, I, I agree with you. In 2024, it might be a very different beast indeed because you're not going to have Donald Trump running for obvious reasons. He can't. Um, I don't know who the next, you know, sort of Republican waiting in the wings is. I don't like the idea of a Donald Trump Jr. I think that would be suicide for the Republicans, it might have to, they might have to go back, you know, come back to a little bit more traditional politics after Donald Trump, like Donald Trump might be the reset button. And then maybe in 2024, you can move to like maybe a Ted Cruz or something like that and say, okay, we just, we just got to keep this thing going. You know, Donald Trump has upturned the banquet table and now it's on us to put the plates and dishes back in order. You know, something like that. Probably that's, that's true. But Boogie, I'm going to tell you something that's disastrous for the Republican party if they do, because the very fact, the reason Donald Trump got elected is the American public, like the British public, like the Australian public wanted the dishes thrown off the table. Mm -hmm. They wanted the tables overturned. They wanted, wanted things not to be like they've been going for 50 freaking years in these nations. Look, people, there's an outcry, an underswell of freedom that is being birthed, and it's slow, it's coming, but there's a momentum. And I always just go out on a limb about 2024. Don't be surprised if Don Jr. don't come right behind his daddy and try to take on the mantle. And I just think that there's others like Trump that the Lord's raising up right now. I truly do. That that if we as a nation want this, if we will if we will embrace what President Trump's trying to do, is he going to make every decision right? Absolutely not. Is he going to have every moment that he's going to be 
presidential and all prim and proper? Absolutely not. Is there a days that we're going to pull up his Twitter feed? Now, Chris laughs at it. Chris loves every minute of it because I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm sarcastic. Uh, <laughs> and I, Chris has got something called a sense of humor. And uh, Chris gets it when President Trump is making a joke. I know when he's joking and when he's being serious. And I just love the way he trolls the left. I just love the way that he just has no caution to the wind. He could care less. I mean, it's just like the Syrian thing, Boogie. I mean, you know, all these generals are on TV trashing him. All the leftists are trashing him. The right's trashing him. Lindsey Graham's trashing him. Franklin Graham, the the uh, evangelist, is trashing him. Uh, the church is trashing him. And Trump's just simply calm as can be and says, we're not going to fight endless wars, guys. You don't like it, you don't like it. And then he just trolls Lindsey Graham yesterday, and he says, if Lindsey had his way, we'd be over there a thousand years. And it got Lindsey's feathers all ruffled up. I just love that about it's it. True, it's, it's true, though. But, but Absolutely let me ask true. You but let me ask you this question. There's nothing. This is what I love about his tweets. When he tweets something, there's nothing they can argue with about the facts. They argue about the tone of it, but when he tweets something out, 99% of the time, he does what the Daily Boogie Show does. He uses the left's own words against him. He literally quotes them, and then, boom, he drops the Trump hammer on them. And that's sort of what your show does, because your show, mainly in James, is have show, the Trust and Verify show. Uh, y'all take what the left is saying, and y'all dissect it and tear it to pieces. That's Donald Trump 2.0, buddy. That's what Donald Trump is brilliant about. Well, look, like, take the withdrawal, for example, the troop withdrawal, okay? Now, I remember, like, the George W. Bush years. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to remember the George W. Bush years and all the rallies and we need to bring our boys home. Now, the same people who are saying that you need to stay there now were the same people who said you need to bring them home under George W. Bush. They're the same people who ignored the fact that Obama killed millions in drone strikes in overseas theatres of war. And now that it suits them, they are more than happy to keep keep sending American sons and daughters. And wearing that too, you know, we're allies, so... So wherever you go, we have to go too. So, uh, you know, they're more than happy to keep people over there dying for these kinds of conflicts. It's so shallow. And people are saying, well, he doesn't have any empathy, right? He doesn't have any empathy. And I would just simply say, well, okay, okay, people are dying over there, but there's body bags coming back the other way as well. So if you want to talk about empathy, why doesn't empathy start at home? Why are you putting, um, you know, your own sons and daughters behind uh, the victims from another country and a country exactly. and, and a part of the world where the people who live there by and large don't want you there in the first place. You know, we've been called imperialist um, foreign invaders for being there in the first place. And people Sorry. say, well, you can't leave now because of the situation that's happening. To that I say, okay, so if now, then when? Because there's always going to be a reason to stay. There's always going to be um, – uh, two groups of people who are at each other's throats. There's always going to be people who are saying you need to stay there and you need to send more troops. So if not now, then when? Is it a year from now? Is it five years from now? Ten years from now? Fifty years from now? There is always going to be a reason to stay. But at some point, uh, it was his election promise. At some point, if you genuinely believe in let's bring the boys home, then you actually have to physically load them up on a plane and do it. You have to bring them home at some point. And there That's is, fine. there's going to be, there's always going to be situations in that part of the world where there's two groups of people who want to kill each other. I, I mean, Absolutely. 
So why why do your sons and daughters have to die in order to prevent that from happening? I, I don't understand it. Well, as only President Trump could do yesterday, it was it yesterday or the day before, and I think he tweeted out something to the effect. He said, let Turkey and Syria beat sand, beat their own sand into the ground. I mean, it was just like, I mean, what president would have been bold enough to say something like that? He's like, well, let, them, mean, beat their, let look, them beat their... Beat each other into their own sandbox. Look Let how, them do it. Look how stupid this is, though. He's pulling the troops out, and everyone's saying that he's causing the genocide, the alleged exactly. genocide that Erdogan is exacting on the Kurdish people. So exactly. why, is, why is it Trump's fault that uh, one dictator is trying to ethnically cleanse another population? It's not. The, 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 all of the anger and the ire should be directed at the guy who you say is ethnically cleansing, not the guy who says, I don't want any more of your children dying overseas. That is ass backwards. Exactly. Let me ask you a question uh, on this this thought. Think about this for a second. These same people that are saying that were the same people that were screaming to the top of their lungs that George W. Bush was taking us into a bastardized war with Iraq mm-hmm. because he mm-hmm. wanted to remove a dictator that he thought was using chemical weapons <laughs> and was going to use biological weapons. Yep. But that yep. was wrong in the eyes of the left. And, you know, or that was all oh, Bush lied. People died. Bush lied. People died. Here, President Trump is saying, hey, we're going to leave the dictator alone. We're going to leave him alone and let him do his thing over there. We're going to stay out of this mess. Let them figure it out. And Trump, Trump's killing these people. Trump's killing these people. Trump's killing these people. Total hypocrisy. Total BS. Total idiotic moronic. That's just the total. And the right's tuning into it, too. Absolutely. They tune into it, too. It's not just the left. It's the right, too. And he again, he's doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing. And the way I look at it is this. Uh, President Trump is not going to let ISIS... Uh, you know, re-engage. And I will say this about the, the what comment you made about the anger at Erdogan. Where in the hell is the UN? You know, the UN is always interfering in Israel's affairs. They're always uh, uh, picking up the Palestinians, always putting uh, civil rights abusers on the uh, UN Security Council. They applaud China's civil rights abuses, uh, such as the nothing but asshole league NBA league is doing. Uh, I mean, it's amazing how that the UN is always silent when it comes to these genocides perpetrated by uh, 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 Middle East dictators. But they can sure as hell tell America that we need, uh, you know, we we are we're civil rights abusers over here, and they're bankrupt. And that was another thing President Trump did this week that I thought was genius. He basically told the UN, he said, we're not going to bail you out. We hope you go bankrupt. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> can, I, can I just say something on the NBA for a second? If I could just say something quickly on the NBA. <clears throat> I've, I used to um, play basketball when I was a kid, and I was a keen watcher of the NBA, and I was a, I've been a Houston Rockets fan ever since I started watching basketball when I was – uh, about 10 years old, the Rockets were dominating with, you know, Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon and stuff. So I, I became a Rockets fan back then. And I was a very, very, very happy Rockets fan when the owner of the Houston Rockets came out and said what he said about the protests in Hong Kong. But that yep. that that elation was very short-lived when within a few hours he recanted and deleted the tweet and basically threw himself at the mercy of the Politburo of the Chinese government. And then... <laughs> And then, and then to see LeBron James come out and say, "Well, yeah. you know, he needs to, he he's not very educated on the situation." And I thought, "Well, LeBron, you should you are the last person who should be criticizing the education level of others, rightly or wrongly." Um, but you know, he's not educated on the situation, and people are going to lose a lot of money. 
And, you know, my co-host on the starting block said, you know, in a comical fashion, well, yes, well, that makes sense to me because uh, the Houston Rockets owner is being very selfish Worrying about the worrying about the Hong Kong protesters who are getting shot by Chinese police when he should have been concerned about LeBron's shoe deal. He should have been concerned about LeBron's money from the Nikes. So he's being very selfish, aligning himself with the Hong Kong protesters, and he needs to be punished. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I was a little worried about LeBron when they told him he was going to take an IQ test and he asked somebody how to spell IQ. I'm just saying. I'm just I, saying. Look, I don't, I don't uh, have a problem. I don't have a problem with stupid people, but I do have a problem when stupid people tell other people that they need to educate themselves. They, they, yeah, they, I know. Don't, don't go down that path, man. Just play ball. You are the best play baller ball. in the world. Play ball, brother. Play Shut ball. Up. Yep. Yeah, these, these NBA types would be better to stick to the basketball court because I'm going to tell you something. They can go the way of the NFL if, they don't, if they're not careful, Boogie. I think they're already doing it. I think they're seeing it already. Uh, NFL, six weeks in, uh, there was a report on True Pundit this week that uh, they've had the worst attendance in the first six weeks of the NFL they've had in 50 years. I mean, or 40 years, however long the league's been in existence. It was in the 60s. So, yeah, they're, they're the, the NFL is not doing well right now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, I mean, uh, live and live and die by the sword, right? Live and die by the sword. So, um, I just I just find it amazing that you know, not that long ago, America, so so rock and roll, and it's the rock and roll, you know, brashness and um, style as an outsider looking in of America is best exemplified by you know professional sports and stuff. It's big, it's brash, it's bold, it's unapologetically American, right? The NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball. This is the image that you've had for the longest time. Like this is where the top athletes come, they trash talk, you know. You know and so now you have a situation where the best basketballer in the world is bending the knee to a communist dictatorship. He doesn't have a very good record at backing politicians. It, he was yeah. in the tank for Hillary Clinton, and he supports yeah. the Chinese government. I mean, exactly you know. <laughs> well, they found out there was some. There do you was think? Some do you think Democratic nominees in twenty twenty are going to be saying, "Please don't endorse me, LeBron"? You don't have probably a very good so. record. <laughs> probably so. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Hey, we uh, folks, you're listening live tonight to the Mac File Special, Early Bird Special tonight. We're live with the one and only Boogie Bumper. I'm going to start taking your questions here. we got about 10 minutes, and then we'll wrap this up tonight. President Trump will be in Dallas tonight speaking, and uh, we don't want to interfere with the president. Uh, Boogie, while we're getting some questions, go ahead and put your questions in the chat room. Any comments for Boogie you have? I do want to mention one thing that uh, somebody down your way, he's from down under too, and I didn't know if you heard about this. And it says, Chris, my state of uh, Victoria, Australia, last week paid John Kerry $250,000 to talk on climate change and food <laughs> in a closed-door meeting. No media allowed in. Did you hear about it? I'll I ask did. you that. Did you hear about that? I didn't, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, our listener from Victoria will know. Uh, we call Victoria. I'm from New South Wales. So traditionally, New South Wales has been more conservative, and traditionally, Victoria has been more lefty. More, more socialist. Uh, we call it the People's Democratic Republic of Victoria up here. Uh, they, they basically make their own rule. That doesn't surprise me at all. That doesn't surprise me at all. Um, the, the state government there just um, won their most previous election in amazing fashion. They actually increased their majority, even though they're arguably the worst government in the country. So um, Victoria's got a whole lot of problems going on. I, 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 is it wrong to say that it doesn't surprise me that John Kerry 
a man with no experience in climate science whatsoever is being paid a quarter of a million dollars to talk on a topic that he knows nothing about? Not at all. Not in Victoria. Not yeah. in Victoria. Yeah. Makes total sense. Uh, Wanna Duck Finn in YouTube question, where are all the Aussie alpha males? Hey, we got one right here. He just don't want to show his face, but uh, we got one right here in Boogie Bumper, man. I'm not an I'm not. A, I'm actually not an alpha male. I need to dispel this myth. I am a... <laughs> I am a non-gender conforming, non-binary enabled kin status individual. My preferred pronouns are boogie or bumper or they. So just want to put that out there so people don't misgender me in the future, Chris. Okay. I just, I, I don't want that to happen either. Uh, being the strong right wing watch tonight with me again, you're, you're safe because they can't, they can't capture your pictures. It'd be mine. They, uh, they're, they're looking all over the internet for me, I guess. But uh, anyway, well, you, hey, look, buddy, you look fantastic. Anyway, you look fantastic. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Boogie. I'm not used to getting a compliment from you. I'm usually getting, <laughs> you know, ragged on. So that's pretty good. I appreciate it. Anyway, um, uh, anyway, let's see. Let me see. Where's Hunter? We don't know. Is Hunter down under with you down there? You got him hid down there, Hunter Biden? Is he he's down not. He's, the he's not, but he stole my line the other day. I don't know if you saw Did that. He? Yeah, he said, oh. I don't feel the need to open the kimono. <laughs> and I saw thought, that. So I thought, get, I some, that. Get, get your own material, Hunter. <laughs> God, what is this? I was insulted. <laughs> Very insulted. I can tell you are. I, I can tell you are. Um, anyway, I'm looking for some questions here. Uh, any any other questions? Have we spoken about Canada? Hey, I do want to ask you. It was interesting that Barack Obama came out and endorsed Trudeau yesterday. Did you see that? I did. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Good Cleo. Cleo's yeah. down who you're at. She's down under. She is. Uh, but yeah, she's a good lady. Uh, what about Canada? What do you think about all this Trudeau stuff? Well, is anyone quick? is anyone surprised that Barack Obama would endorse Trudeau? Like, no, honestly? not a bit. No. Uh, of course he's going to endorse Trudeau. I mean, again, we were talking about Brexit earlier. He flew over to the UK to basically threaten the people of the United Kingdom that if they don't stay in the EU, then he's going to put them last when it comes to trade negotiations. Do you remember that? So yeah. all this talk of election meddling over the last few years, it seems um, it's very selective in its application for some reason. Uh, the, the, the election in Canada is very interesting. It's very tight. Um, but what I'm seeing is it looks very similar to what happened here. The, the, you know, the, the left-wing party is going further and further woke. Uh, the conservative party looks to be like, say, two or three points behind all the time. And they say at best the conservative party, you know, will just lose. And that's the exact same thing that they were saying before our election. So it wouldn't surprise me if the conservatives just sneak up and, you know, rabbit punch them and end up taking office back. I, I would be amazed if Trudeau Trudeau's party doesn't at least suffer monumental losses. I'm with you there. And look, he's under criminal investigation too. I, there's just, there's just a groundswell up there. And I believe there's a lot of stuff that's about to come out that we don't know about up there. I'm with you a thousand percent on that. There's uh, another comment this, in the chat from Cleo. Obama doesn't endorse his own VP, but he endorses Trudeau. Can I just, can I explain? 
<laughs> well, I can, that's very easy. Uh, Obama at this point is not going to endorse anyone except the person who wins the nomination. Because why would he? It's stupid to. He's going to wait until the Democrat Party sort themselves out. They're going to tear shreds off each other. And when the last person is standing, then you'll see Obama come out and say, you should vote for this person for president. The reason is he doesn't want to endorse somebody who's not going to win, which challenges then his you know, authority, his legacy, his influence, right? So he wants his influence to be right up there at all times. He's only going to back the person that wins the nomination and nobody else, I suspect. Do you think Hillary's getting in this thing? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I would say, on I would say mostly no, but that doesn't mean definitely not. Um, I was I, I was saying this for the last few years. Uh, why else would Hillary Clinton, having suffered that defeat, um, be so preoccupied with keeping herself in the press? She Great wants point. she doesn't want people to forget who she is. Now, to me. Um, if I were Hillary Clinton, I would want people to forget who I am after that kind of defeat. No, honestly, it's very I'm with rare. You. I am. It's very rare to lose an election like that and then not just disappear into the background for a few years. She did the opposite. She's been doing a three-year PR blitz, and for me, for you know the the cynic that I am, the only reason that I can come up with that Hillary Clinton would constantly be giving quotes to journalists, constantly have camera crews following her around, taking pictures of her, uh, doing speaking tours, doing book tours, talking about 2016 constantly, constantly uh, bashing the new president. The only reason I can see for that is she might think deep down that she still has a shot at running and she needs to maintain her presence in the psyche of the public and in the press. Now, that might be deluded, um, but there are people that say if she ran again that she does have a pathway to victory, believe it or not, because she still has a lot of the big money donors of the Democrat Party in her back pocket. That's so very true. The party themselves well, don't want her. They don't want her to run. The members don't want her to run. The other Democrat politicians don't want her to run, but the big business interests might. And, you know, they, they have a lot of pull. They have a lot of sway, the lobbies, still. They do. Well, she came in third in that poll they took here about a week ago. Wow. Uh, crazy thing, wasn't even on the ticket, and they started polling her when she was sort of hinting around and sort of trolling Trump about, you know, we need a rematch. Uh, and they took a flash poll right after that. She came in third. Wow. Uh, Warren was one, Biden two, and her third. I, I personally believe Hillary, they, they we forget this, and, and the media will never talk about it, but I, I firmly believe the reason Biden did not run in 2016, it was this Ukraine controversy that the Clintons dug up. Uh, this whole source of the Ukraine corruption probe with the Biden started with them. And look, the Ukraine gave the Clinton Foundation more money than any other nation in the world. And I just think there's so much corruption that I, I, I just, I, this whole thing is going to ensnare so many people. I would predict tonight, Boogie, that by a year, a year from tonight will be October of 2020. We will be within a few weeks of this election. And I'm telling you, I, there is no telling who will have emerged by this time next year. I think by the summer of 2020, we're going to see some major uh, changes in that landscape on that side. Because I just I don't see any of these clowns emerging as a front runner. Mm. I just don't. I mean, Warren is just I just don't see. I know that the media is trying to do everything it can to manipulate this a little bit. But the the populist movement in this country. I just don't see Elizabeth Warren connecting with this nation as a socialist. Do you? Uh, well, it's funny because um, populism isn't, you know, strictly a right-wing idea. There's populism on the left as well. 
Um, I think the economy is probably going too well for a left-wing populist. Left-wing populism is quite popular when, um, you know, the flaws in capitalism become evident and people are, you know, struggling to make money and big governments going rampant because then a socialist will step in and say that what we need is more socialism. You know, you're being ignored. You're not making enough money. Uh, the economic problems are due to the capitalist system and not due to the welfare state and the big government. So that tends to happen. You know, that's how left-wing uh, populism flourishes. That would be my big concern in 2024, that you get a left-wing populist come in and say, um, you know, a lot of the same stuff, a lot of the same rhetoric, but want to go full socialist. That's yeah. funny. Like, I think Elizabeth Warren probably will end up winning the nomination. Possibly. Um, there's, yeah. a, there's a couple of reasons. She's quite well liked in the Democrat ranks. Uh, yeah. um, people don't really find her too offensive, not like Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was really disliked, viscerally disliked by a large chunk of Democrat voters. The same oh, dynamic yeah. doesn't exist for Elizabeth Warren. And um, she's got a very strong anti-corporate message, which I don't necessarily agree with, but it, it's quite popular in you know blue-collar, traditionally Democrat working states, I think. Um, you know, and she wants to healthcare, whether we like it or not, is a big concern in those states as well. You know, the Rust Belt states. It, it, here's the thing: the Democrats only need to win back three states to take the White House. They only need to take back, uh, you know, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, and Wisconsin, right? And they're right back in there. So, and potentially Florida, right? Uh, but that's very close at the moment, anyway. So. If she just gets the right message, if she can hold all the states that Hillary Clinton won and then pick up a few more states which are 50-50 or traditionally Democrat that um, Donald Trump won in 2016, then she's going to win. So, And we're talking about, you know, 90,000 votes collectively over the over three states, which isn't a lot, which isn't a lot. But, you know, the thing that's going in Donald Trump's favour was it was a very low turnout in 2016. So there's always room for improvement. There's room to grow. And from what we can best ascertain... Um, regardless of what the polls are saying, if you look locally, um, you know, local news reports are saying that uh, the Republicans are, you know, storming ahead in, you know, traditional uh, 50-50 areas, you know, in that Northwest and um, the Midwest and that kind of, in those kinds of places. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Elizabeth Warren won the nomination, but uh, I think it would be tough for her to win the presidency at this point, but yeah, you never know. I did too, but yeah. I will say an interesting dynamic. Somebody just posted this in YouTube. He says, is there a chance Hillary would one is run as her vice president? Look, that's another dynamic, another discussion. But Surely I'm with not. you on this. I, I don't think she, Hillary would take she's two. Toxic. I don't think she's it would, toxic. She's toxic. She's I don't cancer. think Warren would do that in a million years. I just don't. Uh, there was a good question in uh, Periscope I want to ask you, and I, uh, and I, I need to find it here. I had it. Um, Somebody's asking, most some people are asking about uh, Michelle Obama. I don't think Michelle, look, the Obamas, I think, do not want to relitigate re the eight years of Barack Obama because they will get clobbered if they do. And uh, she will have to run. If she does get in that White House or in, into the race, her husband's record would come into play. And the thing she said about not ever being proud of being an American until now. And I mean, things like that. And I just don't believe that. But Cleo's asking a great question here. I want to run by you. How do the left get away with saying populism is evil? Because you mentioned it just now that that's the strategy right now, that they're trying to find that populist candidate. I still believe, and we're going to go about 10 more minutes and we'll wrap this up. But sure. uh, do, do you, 
I think that it's a dress rehearsal. I think this is a trial run for them in 2020, Boogie. I, I really believe they're going left. And I think they're just going to see and taste the waters because I sort of agree with you that I think that that's what they're looking for in 2024. They're looking for a left-wing version of Donald Trump that resonates with the comp- country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, it's it's too soon now. Um, how can they get away with saying it? Well, how do they get away with saying uh, you should pull the troops out of the Middle East and now saying that they should stay? Uh, how do they get away with saying a whole bunch of things that they used to say, which they now go against? Um, how do they go? How do they get away with saying that they're um, anti Wall Street when all of the big Wall Street donors supported Hillary Clinton? It's just not going to matter. That's that's the brutal reality of it. In four years' time, nobody's going to remember this, the particulars of this election, and they'll just have a new message and a new direction, and left wing populism will be that. Um, if they lose in 2020, they'll say that we need to replenish the party, we need to rejuvenate. Uh, you might see a lot of the leadership, the current leadership might step aside, they might get turfed out, I'm talking about Schumer and Pelosi and these types, Jerry Nadler. I mean, let's be fair, they're closer to the end of their career than they are to the beginning of it. So, you know, they might just see a rejuvenation across the board. Just on Michelle Obama, I don't think Michelle Obama, I've, I've been very strong on this for a long time. I don't think Michelle Obama will win in 2020. I think they'll see her best chance is running in 2024 at the end of Donald Trump. Um, the, the thing is, you know, people say, people dismiss it out of hand. And you, you said yourself that um, Obama's record is not, you know, Obama's record will be a factor. But here's the problem, right? For the, you have to put your mind yourself in the mind of a Democrat. There has been no other Democrat um, politician over the last 20 years that has been so such a uniting force for the Democrat Party as Barack Obama has. Every Democrat was behind Barack Obama. As soon as he was gone, look what happened. You had the Bernie bros versus uh, the Clinton pushers, and the Bernie people hated Hillary Clinton so much that they refused to vote for her. And you see now a Democrat party in you know suffering its own internal uh, civil war. You've got far left um, ideologues like such as the Squad, Rashida Tlaib and AOC that say we need radical progressivism. You have the, you know, the old moderates, believe it or not, Nancy Pelosi in the Democrat school of thought is indeed a moderate and she's trying to hold back the flood. So you you do see now this fight where the, the far left are trying to usurp the party from the quote unquote moderates and the blue dogs. Under Barack Excellent. Obama, that didn't happen. So I think, I think a lot of people in the Democrat Party come 2024 would say, um, if we don't unite behind one person, we're going to get slaughtered again, and we can't allow that exactly. to happen. So please, Michelle, would you please run? And just further to that, I've noticed um, in the last week or two, uh, you know, because as you know, I watch a lot of the corporate press to get stuff from my show and trust and verify so we can break yep. it down for the audience. I have noticed a lot of little reports coming out, Little, you know, those little three-minute little bumpers that they play on CNN and MSNBC, and it'll be something like, well, we're hearing reports from Democratic Party insiders that Michelle Obama has been approached to run again. (laughs) Now, I don't think that Michelle will run in 2020, but the reason that they do that, they flood that out into the atmosphere, into the ether, and just test the winds. They say, is, is Michelle Obama a possibility in 2024? Is she popular enough? Does she have enough presence? Let's run a few of these reports and see what the reaction is. Will we get emails saying, please run? Will we get um, overwhelming majority of people saying, no, we're not, we don't want Michelle Obama, we want something else? So 
the the fact that you're seeing those little reports on the corporate press suggests to me that they're already thinking about it. Um, but again, this is sort of uh, I want to just mention to the YouTube chat room, especially folks, stay on topic. We're talking about the elections tonight. There's a lot of questions about other things, and we'll have different shows on there. But uh, there, um, I, I just you know we have heard about the 2,100 children uh, being found in the California tunnels. We'll be dealing with that in a future show. Um, we um, we appreciate your uh, concern about that tonight. We're, we're not uh, dealing with that. We're dealing with uh, who's going to be running in 2020. Boogie, I, I want to just tell you, uh, buddy, I, you, I, I say this about you, and I say this publicly. I'll say it privately. I tell people about you all the time. You're more patriotic about this country, and you live down under than most American citizens are. And I say that as a huge compliment to you. I say it as a uh, disappointing thing to our citizens uh, here because I wished a lot of our citizens that uh, live under this flag, live under the red, white, and blue, and enjoy the freedoms that this nation provides would be as patriotic about America as you are. And I do appreciate you staying on top of our political system here because you offer some of the best insight I think I've ever seen and heard. And uh, you know, it pains me to compliment you. So you know how hard this is coming out. And uh, <laughs> don't, forget but, uh, hands- don't forget handsome. Yeah. Don't forget yeah, don't forget handsome boogie. Yeah, absolutely. You're handsome boogie. <laughs> and uh, uh, you're the most handsome guy we've never seen, Boogie. I just Boogie's so handsome that he don't want people to see his face. I mean, that that's why he can say <laughs> handsome. But uh, anyway, but listen, I want I want to say this if we're close tonight. This has been great, and, and I'm glad for the interaction of our audience tonight. I really am. And uh, we're gonna do this again soon. <clears throat> and uh, I do want you to wrap us up five minutes, final thoughts about things. Where's everything you see going? Look, this. Um, I do want you to take a few of those minutes <clears throat> to talk about this illegal impeachment hearing crap. And you brought it up earlier about how that all this quote unquote mourning for Elijah Cummings has uh, lasted about what six hours, mm-hmm. and now they're still mm-hmm. meeting their little secret rooms trying to impeach Trump. Uh, Nancy Chuck and uh, Sawyer or Moyer, whatever his name, Sonny Hoyer from Maryland, stormed out of the. Uh, uh, meeting yesterday and showed their back ends and claimed that it was Trump the one that had the meltdown. Well, Trump wasn't the one walking out, <laughs> walking out the meeting. It looked like Nancy, uh, Chuck, and Sonny were the ones having the meltdown. I do want to ask you one quick question that uh, Jerry asked in YouTube. Do you think the impeachment committee changes dynamics now with Cummings out of the way? Who do you think is in the wings to take that over now? Uh, well, for me, uh, Cummings wasn't front and center of that conversation anyway the face of the impeachment hearing has been uh, Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler to a lesser extent Um, so I think it's going to be you know not meaning to sound crass here but like we said um, the Democrats have already moved on from Elijah Cummings they're already back talking about impeachment so I guess we will engage in similar behavior and say it's probably going to be one soldier down one soldier in Um, I don't think they're going to miss a beat I don't think that anything's going to particularly change when it comes to uh, the current drive for impeachment because all evidence points to the fact that they haven't changed anything. So, uh, no, I don't think that's going to be a factor. I do think, though, <laughs> it's funny. I I read people's comments and I read opinion pieces and it seems like a lot of people on the Democrat side of politics are very concerned about doing, in their opinion, what's right the right thing to do. And they think that uh, moving forward with impeachment is the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, I, I, I try to take the emotion out of this stuff and just analyze these things very, uh, you know, coldly. And I think 
this could end up there, there's a chance that this could end up being the most monumental political suicide that we've ever witnessed in I'm with you I mean they want to they want to talk about Richard Nixon Richard Nixon was a political suicide yes this might just go bigger than Richard Nixon not because of anything that Donald Trump did but because they have taken um you know because they've taken this approach to impeach impeachment's very unpopular it's happened only what three times previous two times previous or three times previous three uh, uh, Johnson, yep. uh, Clinton, uh, Nixon never got impeached. That's right. So two technically. Johnson, actually, it's two technically. Yep. And see, that's the thing. That's the lie of the left. They they act like Nixon was impeached. He resigned. And, you know, we'll never know whether that House would have voted to impeach him or not. I think I look at Nixon the way I look at Trump. Uh, they're scared to death to take a vote. She, she pulled the vote off the table this week. There's rumors she didn't have the votes. And it would have been a monumental embarrassment had she went to that floor and see, but Boogie, everything that they're doing is bogus until, in my opinion, it is bogus until they vote and make it a formal impeachment inquiry. No subpoena, no statement, no threat has any way. All they're doing is threatening and blustering like a bunch of buffoons. It's illegal. It's unconstitutional and it is lawless. That, Everything that the Democrats are doing. Okay, everything. That's fine. But see, that might this is the sad reality. That might well be true. It might be um, illegal and it might be unconstitutional. But for the majority of people, you know, people who pay attention to this stuff, Chris, like you and I do, like our audience does, uh, we we are in a very, very, very small minority of people. There's probably ten percent of people who who follow the day to day goings on in the political world to that level of detail, right? So the the real issue here is for me the investigation is never about finding articles of impeachment. the The point of the investigation is the investigation. The point of the investigation is to keep it rolling on, keep the press mills turning, absolutely, and absolutely. so they can go into 2020 and they can have campaign commercials that go something along the lines of Donald Trump is currently under investigation by six committee members. Uh, exactly. Can you can you trust a man like Donald Trump to run the White House? Can you trust a, a man like Donald Trump currently be investigated for corruption in the Ukraine? Vote Democrats in 2020. That's the point of this whole saga. Um, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, she has a lot of failings, but she's not um, politically stupid. Uh, she not. knows that if she actually brings impeachment to a vote, then uh, she will lose the House in 2020 because the Democrats hold very slim margins in about 70 seats, uh, which are purple swinging districts. And they know that whilst impeachment is very popular in L.A. and New York and other liberal strongholds, in those particular congressional districts, uh, impeachment is a very, very dirty word indeed. And people will be the, the newly won Democratic seats will be handed back to the GOP before the people could even bring in their office supplies. So uh, she knows that the far left don't care because they're safe in their jobs regardless of what happens because they're not going to get removed by GOP members in New York and LA. So they're quite happy to run along with the impeachment line to mobilise their people for you know activism and getting out to vote in 2020. But that's why she hasn't brought it to a vote because politically it would be stupid to do so. And the whole point is to just keep the conversation going as long as possible. If you bring it to a vote and the vote fails and then it's game over, then you're done then you don't have it up your sleeve. If you don't bring it to a vote, you can keep talking about it for the next 18 months. It's very simple. Yeah. Good stuff, my friend. But it's always a lit program when you come on, and this has been great information tonight. Good good flow, as always. And um, I just can't tell you thank you enough for taking your time out of your my day pleasure. Uh, to come on, and we're going to have you back on soon. And uh, uh, Boogie, tell everybody where they can find you. I've got your Twitter handle. 
uh, down there, and uh, his show is called The Daily Boogie, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You go on what time in six, the East? 6? 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 6 p.m. New York City time. So uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> and also trust and verify on a Sunday night with your fellow pirate, the Flying Hawaiian, yes. James R. James R., yeah. The last time I come on y'all's show, I fell asleep. They've not asked me back since. So I, uh, Boogie, Boogie was laughing at me. And, uh, instead of him, he could have just screamed into the, he could have screamed into the camera, wake up, McDonald, wake up. But they were just laughing like they always do. It was a long, I don't know what was going on that night. I'd just been traveling that day. I was falling asleep a little bit. I promise I'll come back and we'll fall asleep. These, these young whippersnappers are keeping me up well past my bedtime. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, the, the chat room, I love Boogie, I love Boogie. There's like 50 I love Boogies, and there's like, Thanks, no, Mom. I love Christmas tonight. Yeah, there's no, yeah, thank you, are paying these people. You've got a marriage proposal in this one of these uh, Periscope rooms tonight, man. I mean, come on, come on, it's my show, it's Black Files. This ain't the Boogie show. But anyway, I'm just playing with you guys. Hey, we appreciate you guys out there. We had a lot of fun tonight, good questions. Uh, thank you all for being a great audience, and we'll see you tonight, regular Mac Files time. President coming up in Dallas. Pray for him tonight. Pray for safety, and we'll be monitoring that, and we'll probably have a few thoughts on that tonight. Our wrap-up show tomorrow night, Friday. we got a great week ahead of shows next week. God bless you all. God bless your families. God bless this great nation of America, and God bless Down Under, the Boogie Bumper, and uh, you've got his Twitter handle there. Reach out to him. Let him know. You heard him on the Mac Files tonight. Some of you have never heard, bo- heard Boogie before. And uh, I think he would love to hear from you that you enjoyed him tonight. We sure did. And I know you did too out there. Boogie, appreciate you, man. We'll see you down the road, buddy. God bless you guys. And uh, we'll be back tonight, folks, with a, another Mac Files broadcast. Be be with us then. Uh, not sure we're going to have just yet. Working on that. It's going to be good. Whatever we do have tonight. And uh, we'll have more thoughts on Elijah Cummings, as if we might have thoughts on Elijah Cummings. Maybe you should ease back on the Elijah Cummings <laughs> stuff. As your friend as your friend and counsel, I am advising you that it might be time to just ease back off Elijah. <laughs> Let the guy go. <laughs> yeah, we might, need, we might need to back off. Uh, it's, just, it's a southern thing, baby. They, they, they knock at it. It's a hit at us. We just double down, baby. We're not cowards around here. Okay, we we got a little, we got a little bravery around here in the south, you know. You, you come after us. We don't, we don't back down from a fight. You know how that goes. Absolutely. Bless you out there. We'll see you tonight. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you, Boogie. Thank you, man. Bye. God bless.